0: And you're very welcome along to the SESI staff room. Joining us in the SESI staff room is Adrienne Webb. Adrienne, you're very welcome.
1: Thank you very much, I sound Delighted to be here.
0: On today's staff room, we're going to be talking about uh, what makes a good teacher, the NCTE, confidence in teaching, BBC computers, and loads, loads more. You're going to want to join us. Adrienne we're going to start backwards now. Normally, I ask people at the start, um, "What got you to this point? Like, where, how? What steps did you follow to get to right here, right now?" So let's start sort of back and and work to the beginning. You're you've you've stepped down. You were the chairperson of SESI for eleven years.
1: <laughs> That's correct. It, it's when you look back, you're kind of saying, well, wow, that flew." And prior to that, I had been secretary for a number of years and then on the executive, I joined the executive in the early noughties. Um, and basically I had been working with uh, what was then NCTE, which is now PDST Technology and Education. And it was a very exciting time, Hassan, that IT 2000 era was really exciting. There was loads of hope, anticipation, ideas were flying. Uh, People were communicating, the department was behind everything, it was really, really exciting and I found that when I was in NCTE and then I went back to school but I promised myself when I went back to school not to lose contact because one of the things when you're in the school is it can be a bit ivory towerish. you're just so heavy into what you're doing every day with colleagues, with students, keeping everything running and then your family life aside, that's very hard to keep connected. So I made a very positive decision at that stage to get involved with SESI, where a lot of the people I had met through IT2000 seemed to hang out as it were. Now, I would have been aware of SESI prior to that, um, but because I would have been involved, I would have put the first computer in my school in 1984. And my origins for technology were um, punch cards in UCD. So I've been kind of around the houses quite a while. (laughs) It feels very ancient when you say that. Um, But like that, between working in school, getting the computer along with a colleague and Finn at that stage, it occupied fairly much most of my time. And a bit like that, you're trying to sandwich bits and pieces in. So while I was aware of Sassy, and um, I think I attended one conference, I hadn't, I wasn't actively involved. And you're talking about a time, which is very, very hard for us to imagine now when analog for starters, uh, mobile phones were not around really. Everything was on dial up, paper, snail mail, and a very different time. When you're kind of the facility to communicate was not easy. Let's put it like that. So my life was busy nct came along i did that my children were a bit older at the end of that i became involved in Cessy, and i have and, never looked back <laughs> being honest
0: it's uh, i've heard, i've heard people say you can check out but you can never leave once you're in that
1: is the most accurate statement and it's wonderful because it is that to be quite honest um again
0: sassy There's the SESI list, for those who don't know. If you don't know, you really need to be on the SESI list, which is is a community forum. There's over uh, 2,000, I think, class count of educators on the SESI list, all different levels. People join, people ask questions, Uh, educators in particular. Uh, There are some more and more over the years now. There's one or two industry people in it, like myself, who, who offer support, um, to those teachers who who have any who have any questions adrian as a teacher now let's not forget you taught maths geography and ict and when you were talking about computers you were talking about communication so i mean ict is communication technology like so what did computers look like as a teacher let's remove Ceci from the equation you're a teacher you're a maths teacher you're a geography teacher computers in the classroom what did that look like
1: <laughs> well when do you want to pick to start <laughs> <laughs> Computer, <laughs> well, well I'll tell you an interesting story because it, it's very hard to credit at this stage as I said 1984 a colleague Anne Finn and myself were mad into computers ourselves so we said look we have to get it into the school and um, we approached the principal, there was no money for anything. So what we did was we offered every any student that was interested for a, a pound at the time, that we would give them a session on a computer. We didn't have the computer, but we would give it to them. So we managed to raise enough money to buy a BBC Model B. Now, the interesting thing was in those days, computers didn't come with their monitors. They were a separate cost. Mm. So what we did was I knew somebody who was getting rid of an old black and white TV and I put that the monstrosity that they were at that stage on a trolley with the computer and we gave the class to, we fulfilled our promise to the students who had given us a pound. So that was fine. That was uh, in the summer, in the spring term of 84. And then in the September when we came back to school, we found that the head nun had put a computer class on for every child in the school. And we would nearly 700 students at that stage. Wow! So we were wheeling a trolley with a big TV into a classroom of 30 students and doing basic programming. So that's what it looked like in 84. Yeah, and like what
0: I, I asked Michael Halsey this, what does a lesson plan look like when you have no... Like, you, it, it was never used before, so w- w- what do you teach? How Do you teach about the computer, or do you teach the uses of the computer?
1: Well, at that stage, we actually just introduced the students full-on to writing lines of code, that so that the computer would say, hi, hello. Because in that era, that was amazing. I mean, this is the time of the... The tennis ball just gone back and forward on the screen that was so exciting as a game um, and we moved along then and we did um, at that stage we were doing basic then the department decided that they'd like us to try Comal which to the best of my knowledge was only taught in Denmark and Ireland and it was kind of a structured basic so we had to, I had done a summer course in that and I really liked it as a language um, So we started doing a bit of that. Then we got kind of a few more machines. They weren't BBC Model Bs. They were kind of a cheap version. We had 12 machines in a room. So we had a principal who could see that there was a value in it. What was interesting was having a computer room became a real status symbol at the end of the 80s and the early 90s. Um, And there were stories of schools that had wonderful computer rooms locked because the teacher who was in charge was terrified that students might break the machines. Hmm. And obviously they represented a very high investment uh, financially. Um, So it depended where you came from on the whole thing of the the computers. We were into it because we were into it. Some schools took the approach we should have one because the school down the road hasn't got one and that would attract our students in. Um, so I remember at one stage we were teaching li- literally getting the students to draw pictures with um using very basic commands and programming because that's all there was. There was no software, there was no gate, you know, there was very little else um and then that's, we
0: I suppose that's that's really what I'm asking because I remember computers in those days. I remember the BBC computer. Um, I remember the Commodore 64. I remember the whole analog thing that tape in it to load a program. Mm-hmm. Do you know? But what I, I suppose, like how, when we did computers in school um, in early, early 90s, 1989 90, we were doing basic programming. Mm. But we were learning about what the computer could do or the possibilities of the computer, but there was never any practical application. That's I suppose that's really where I'm coming from.
1: Yeah, yeah, there wasn't. You in the sense you were learning about it, I won't say in a vacuum, but you were learning only one small percentage of the aspect of it. But then you got to remember society as such. We were in a very different place. You were still, if you're interested in computers, you were the nerdy. Yeah, yeah. you know, you were not the norm. You're not Joe Public. You were that person on the staff who had this weird idea about technology or whatever. But it, it wasn't the norm. I mean, it took really when in the 90s when things began to take off, when you were talking about uh, the office packages that would allow you to do stuff. I mean, I remember doing a course on publisher in the, the mid 90s. And I mean, as a package that's still available and still valid and a lot of what I learned then. In the, so it was in the early, early stages of it. And it was interesting. Um, the programming, you could teach a module of programming in school as part of the maths course for six years and you could get a certificate for it. Um, and it was it was a very profet- a very nice looking certificate, being quite honest. But the teacher submitted the names and decided whether the student was entitled to it or not. And that was always programming. And I was at a meeting in the early nineties, about something that 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 wasn't the main topic. And somebody said to me, "Oh, don't mention the p word." And I kind of, "What do you mean don't mention the p word? That's what the course says you're supposed to be doing." oh, no, 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 sure, we're doing Word and all these other things instead. So I actually contacted the department at the time to see, was I really so off-beam that I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do? And it was one of these instances where life had moved on Mm -hmm. and there was the possibility now of doing other things. So without stating it explicitly, they were quite happy to accept uh, work that had been done in various packages. So, we developed our own program in school uh, and certain targets that students had to meet, different aspects of using Word and file management and a bit of Excel. And um, what else did we use? Um, Can't remember now that at the moment. So, that's
0: be the early iteration of, of what is now the ECDL. I think ECDL came a long time later, but that's yeah. Word, Excel, PowerPoint. Well, ECDL. That's not
1: Mm, ECDL was around a long time. It's funny, there was now that you mentioned ECDL, um, I always avoided ECDL like the plague. Mm-hmm. And my only reason was there was nothing wrong with the course. It was fine. It was, you know, and people were very happy to get certification. But my problem was that you ended up only doing that with computers because it took up so much time. There was no opportunity to be creative, inventive, mm. and doing other things. Now, in schools, in, there, there would have been pressure in schools to have certification. If I'm doing something, I want to have a certificate for it. I want to have an official certificate. And if a school could said, oh, well, we're doing computers, we're doing ECDL, that kind of ticked the box for them. But it was one of those things, a decision that I took that I never regretted. And I wasn't in a school where there was pressure on me to do certification um but you yeah. are right it's a, it is a similar it is but i was free to do whatever i wanted within that the ecdl
0: to me is what is needed and it's one of these bizarre things that it, we we wonder we ask how are we going to teach computers in school do we teach computer applications there was desktop publishing being talked about this coding being talked about and what EDL, uh, the solution it provided was, it was a package that mm-hmm. can be taught and can be taught comfortably and people felt all right teaching it. Um, but somewhere along the way, uh, the creativity was removed mm-hmm. from uh, code- from teaching computers. And that to me is, is I suppose that's... that's
1: and, be- I mean, I think no matter which decision you make, to go with it or not go with it, in the context, it was a right one for you. And it depends very much on the school, but it was just... Um, I felt that at the end of the day, children played with keyboards anyway. So I wasn't, uh, and to be curiously enough, I'm actually a qualified typing teacher. Okay. So, so I knew what teaching typing entailed. Uh, and it's, it's, it takes time. It takes time. And I didn't have the time. I had one period a week with classes. Um, so if I were going to concentrate on keyboarding, you know, we were going nowhere. Yeah. So I just, I cut my cloth basically so that the students would be in a position that for their other subject teachers, they would be able to save something, create something, save it, print it out for that teacher. Like it was as basic as that, so that it became a tool, their use of the computers became a tool that they could use with teachers who didn't know the first thing about computers. I always try to have that more global view with the whole school because as I said earlier on, once you're into the computers you're a bit of an anorak or a nerd and I think in the '90s people thought that they had the option they could opt out of technology like nobody I don't think could ever have envisaged where we are today no,
0: no. yeah see this is it and I don't think I mean it's there's there again we're talking about is it do you if you don't know how to teach it, how can you teach it? Do you teach the practical applications? It's like somebody saying, talk to us about cars. And you go, what, what do you want to know about cars? How to drive them? What makes them? The fact that they have wheels? Do, do we bring in day-to-day use of cars, practical use of cars? like? So you can't just land computers in front of teachers and go, here, teach computers.
1: The teacher lost the time is the last person taken into consideration when plans are in place to introduce technologies across the board that somehow by osmosis, the teacher becomes the expert. But in most instances, they're the same as everybody else. They're only learning. Um, But my position was always technology is a tool, a very sophisticated tool, a very fancy tool that can allow you to do stuff you can't do any other way. That's not where you start. Start with asking yourself, what is it you want to do with your students? So I'm in a geography class and I'm teaching volcanoes. So I'd love to be able to show them really graphic stuff and maybe, you know, fly there as you were to do with Google Maps and that. Um, but I looked to see what would enable me to teach that to the very best of my ability so that the experience for the student would be as rounded and as full as possible. So sometimes I think... That's the dilemma. You started, oh, we have a room with computers. (laughs) That's not the question you should be asking. I would always have argued that the question you should be asking is what we should be doing, how we want to progress. And if I can bring it right up to COVID times, I think for schools who hadn't yet dealt with how they were going to do technology across their school, on a student by student basis or what sort of system where they were going to, whether they are going to go for teams or going to go for the Google Classroom. And they hadn't addressed those questions at an intellectual level and then found themselves at a very practical level, we need to do something. I wonder how they're getting on now because answering the questions clearly should create your architecture for what you want and need. But if you're rushed into it, it's like, as you said, the car, the analogy of the car. If you say, I need wheels under me, buy the first thing I see and you end up with a crock or you end up with something which you can't cope with. Maybe it's an automatic and you've never driven it or something like that. So I do think it's the questions you ask before you use, engage with the technology that are important.
0: It's it's the why, Adrian. The why is by far the most important question um, we can ask. When when were you, And it's not just technology and education, but in particular, it is because I I, I think I've mentioned this before a few times. My my background is, is I'm an IT guy, and I as an IT guy, I went into selling stuff and selling iPads into school was easy because you could you could do the magic could do the magic and you do the thing and it did a light and it connected to a thing and you made a volcano explode and people went yeah we want 20 of them and you go thanks very much and you cut the check and you walked out the door. Um My problem and the reason why I'm here right now is because I'd go back to visit those schools as an IT guy and as a, a nerd and I am now know what's called educational technologist but as one of them I'd go back to see how how, how they got on and the stuff was—you mentioned the locked classroom. The stuff was in a, in a pile, where the teacher that did uh, technology wasn't in, or the CPD wasn't done, or the any amount of any amount of reasons. And I'd come home, and and my girlfriend, now long-suffering wife, said, "Just do something about it. Go back in and do just provide a service and, and train people up." So what the schools, the point I'm getting at is those schools that bought and put the stuff in the corner, forgot to ask that question, why? Why are we making the purchase? Um, And to to name drop, current uh, chair of SESI, um, Dermot, where we were going to a conference up in Dublin. Now he floored me with this, Now I wouldn't tell him to his face that he did, but he did. He floored me with this, because I was on about iPads and education and, and the How amazing they are! I said they're engaging with the students, and he said, "Hasn't a monkey at the top of the class will engage with the students? Students will engage with the monkey, but is there any learning taking place? And unless the environment is set up for learning, then it doesn't matter what you have at the front of the classroom, whether that be a monkey or an iPad." And that that got me for six. But I bring that around to our. And I'll put you on the spot, Adrian, are teachers prepared to teach technology in education? and education? And how how does it look like compared to now versus when you were teaching technology and education? Now, this isn't on the list, and by all means, you can push back if you want. But what what are the major changes, and how do you feel did SESI bring forward those
1: changes? Okay, well, I'm going to distinguish between two things there. There's teaching the technology about the technology, and there's using the technology in teaching and learning. And they're two very distinct things. And I think we need to acknowledge that two distinct things. So if you want teachers to be using technology as part of how they teach, they have to have confidence around it because you're not going to, like, particularly in a secondary school where your classes are 40 minutes, an hour long and you plan for that. So if your technology goes down or something goes awry, you don't have the luxury of dealing with it. So if that happens, I always had the rule of thumb that teacher had to, you could get away with the teacher experiencing failure once as they attempted to do something new with technology. If they attempt, if there was a second failure, forget it. You'd lost them because they weren't going to expose themselves again. And you needn't bother going back to them for quite a long time. So when it comes to teaching using technology, the support to the teacher and of the teacher is critical. So I would have proposed, but we weren't in a position to do it. It was an idea that I think that if I had had half my teaching hours available to me to be supportive to other colleagues so that we chat, they say, look, I was thinking of doing such and such. Right. Well, I said, I'll be there. I'll be either at the back of the room or very much what you're doing, I imagine, or outside the door. So if you're on into difficulty, you can continue with your class and I'll see if I can get it done. If it's a two-minute job, great. If it's not, I'll acknowledge that and we leave and just we'll move on. So I think the biggest difference is that because everybody is using technology in practically every aspect of their life, there is a basic assumption that everybody can use technology. Mm. And to me, technology in education is separate to technology in everyday life. Technology in everyday life might give you some skills that 10, 15, 20 years ago, you weren't picking up on a daily basis. But technology in education is a different animal. Um, If we're talking about the technology per se, so if you take something like the Leaving Cert Computer Science course, which is the technology per se, but in a very rounded manner, or you take um, supporting teaching and learning through the use of technology within the classroom. Cool. So I suppose I haven't been in the classroom since 2016. And I'm just, uh, so I missed the whole COVID thing. I listened to it. I heard people dealing with it and all the rest. And I do wonder if those schools who got bounced for want of a better phrase mm-hmm. into adapting technologies across all the teaching and learning, have they reverted to their pre-covid stances or are they kind of mishmashing but haven't ever dealt with the, the questions yeah why
0: i think teaching is a reflective uh there's a lot of reflection in teaching You're, you have to be able to deliver uh your course material you have to be able to reflect on yourself i think i think a lot of the time and i think again to quoted michael in the last in the last episode he he said you have to be able to look back you have to be able to look back and say oh yeah i did that well okay that that didn't work and what we forget sometimes is what didn't work is what affects the change not what did work so if you're going along going oh this is amazing you change nothing and you, you just keep going and fair play to you but if you're a tiny bit critical and go, actually, that didn't work. I'm going to change it. Then your teaching become, becomes better. And to back to a point you mentioned about the classroom and the invisible support for teachers, because this is really where I'm coming from. Education is not my uh, background. Educational technology is. And more importantly, the support for teachers and the the support that teachers require. So in schools, in a lot of the schools that I'm in, I'm invisible. The students don't even see me anymore. Um, so, I would i i'm I'm in and out of class, or if a teacher needs to do a thing with a thing w could be anything from using a powerpoint or or whatever, I'll sit there in the back of the class and I'll control the PowerPoint based on their cues and there you go they're they're using they're using technology now bring that what you said there right forward to what we're talking about now when I interjected. What are the, reflection, look at COVID, and it's a question that I asked everybody that has been on the staff room. So the staff room, to me, is a learning space. The physical and the virtual, what we have here, is a very learning space, just shoulder-to-shoulder learning. You're asking, you're asking your colleagues. But that same teacher that, and I'm thinking of one in particular, that same teacher that got me in to use, will you come in, Hass, will you come in and do the PowerPoint for me, um, and I said that that's absolutely fine. Fast forward, she was setting up virtual classrooms. Um, but m- my thing is, when you when you say ah, how are you get on with that, ah, I still don't know what I'm doing. It's like you were you were setting up virtual classrooms for God's sake. You do know what you're doing. You're doing it really well, but there, there's still that oh oh, I'm I'm not sure. Um, And I, I think teachers need to realize, need to understand that they've come a long way and COVID has pushed you forward. So, again, the important question is, do you go, oh, my God, thank God COVID is over. Let's go back. Or do you pick up and go, well, you know what? We say it with hushed tone, but COVID might have been a good thing from the learning aspect from the learning point of view and um, from maybe inclusivity and we can, like what's, what's your stance on that? Do you think do you feel, and this is a, 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 this is a personal thing do you feel that we're going to go back to pre-COVID or do you feel that we're going to move forward and go, we, we have new skills let's run with that. Well
1: I'd certainly be hopeful that people move forward there might be some old habits that they'll hanker they'll back for um, I think one of the issues, though, is that technology is very good at administrative side of stuff. So you can keep all your class stuff, you can keep all your notes, you can keep all your records, you can keep everything. But well, I don't want the imaginative to be lost because that's what SESI always was for me. Mm-hmm. I I always met people, without exception, who had great creativity and imagination who are out there pushing the boundaries of the technology in how it could enhance teaching and learning. And that's going right back to the beginning because I really feel that that phrase standing on the shoulder of giants is very applicable to Sessy because each group of people that have gone through that have been part of it have been amazing in in their context and their milieu um, in what they've done and what they've achieved looking far beyond the rest of us would have been thinking about at the time i mean i i remember meeting the frog blog which was uh where the um the guy who had designed it just did the dissection of the frog and for i thought it was just amazing You know, it was great fantastic thing to be able to do because i think i saw that in the early noughties um so the fear for me would be i suppose that particularly for schools that were bounced, that the administrative side of it would be the attraction. Okay. Um, and a good... Have you used term
0: before, the yeah. school that was bounced. Expand on that for me.
1: Well, I mean, I'm, I'm very aware of a particular school, I suppose I'm thinking of a particular school, but I am aware of others, who, where they piecemeal adoption of technologies in education, but hadn't, hadn't taken the step to go for uh, either the, the most popular platforms like your Teams, Microsoft Teams or Google for Education, where you have this closed environment where everybody has their email addresses, where things are set up in a, in a functioning way to take advantage of the various packages and various things that are out there. So if you hadn't done that, so you're a school that hasn't done that, you kind of have... Oh, the kids use their own email addresses, and you know it's all very loose. Mm. Then I it must have been a nightmare going into trying to organize your Zoom classrooms and all the rest because you had no idea of what was in the houses. you had no you had no practice run before, as it were. Um, so again, you're down to somebody who is a champion of technologies in school, I think. I could be wrong on that, but it, it certainly was for a long, long time. If you were a school with a champion, some, and by that I mean somebody who is just into technology, mm. could see what it could offer, was prepared to share with our colleagues, didn't see it just for their classroom, but saw that as a sharing role, so look, come on, we'll, we'll all, I'll give you a short talk on this and whatever it happens. Who's driving technology then? If you don't have a champion, who's driving it? Or is it so ubiquitous now that it just happens? I'm not so sure. Um, I know I have listened to a niece um, and one or two other people's children in school and how the technology is used. I'm a bit shocked because it's kind of old use, an old way of using it. I mean, this to me, there's just so much potential. And yes, I mean, you've mentioned PowerPoints a few times. Now, yeah. we all know the phrase, death by PowerPoint. Yeah. Um, and it is fascinating to me that that tool has been around so long. Mm-hmm. It's obviously because it works. I mean, it's like that. It's effective. But how many of us have also been subjected to awful ones? And if teaching for somebody is, oh, I put all my notes in PowerPoint, they're grant. Mm. And then they, the student who's absent, oh, they can just access my PowerPoint. I kind of say, really? Now, that's from somebody who was always prepared to push the envelope and to do things a bit differently. Um, so I'm back to the question is, and you mentioned it again, why? Mm. A good teacher is a good teacher with no tools at all. A good teacher doesn't require technology. So if we take that analogy, a good teacher can be, their teaching can be enhanced by the use of the technology. it's not going to turn a bad teacher into a brilliant teacher because they're using technology, it's still back to that question of why. And for me with SESI, I met a community of people who asked that question, who were prepared to push the envelope, do things differently. I didn't have that in the school I was in because I was the nerd in the corner. Mm. Um, so having that opportunity to meet with diverse people, I learned so much from primary school teachers, even though I'm a secondary school teacher. Where else would I meet primary school teachers? Nowhere. Yeah.
0: That's yeah, yeah. It.
1: And then the third level brought its dimension to it and further education. So I was meeting... Ceci gave me the opportunity to meet people from diverse backgrounds who had differing views to mine about things and differing knowledges. And I learned a great deal from them. And the other thing was that Ceci is not constrained by any bureaucratic norms, effectively. Mm -hmm. It's a group of people who are pure in their intent, who simply want to improve teaching and learning in the classroom for themselves and for their students very happy to share knowledge. There's no, oh well, that's worth so much to me. There, there's no none of that with it. And I think it's very special for that reason. And that, that, see
0: we really should be talking more about the Computers and Education Society of Ireland to be fair, considering that it's their podcast. But that brings me nicely onto to the impact of SESI. I asked um, I asked uh, Elizabeth um, olden, I I, I said I'd I'd known her for a long time, and I followed her work very much. As in, I knew who she was, and, and she's done an awful lot for Sesi and computers and education. And I, I eventually, I through one conference the day after, I was sitting down beside her. She was reading a book in a coffee shop, and I I had to go over and introduce myself. And she probably doesn't even remember this, but I said, do, what do you think of Sesi?" And the first thing she said, I, she said, "I feel." Sessie is fighting above its weight limit. How, like, what is the impact of Sessie? What has been the impact of Sessie?
1: Okay. I was thinking that's about a
0: very this, loaded question,
1: by the way. That it's, all oh. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but I'll give you my thoughts on it, if, mm. if I may. Um one of, this, one of its big strengths is that it is across all levels of education. Now, as a result, people who are involved in SESI are part of other organizations and parts of other discussions and some of them involving various aspects of the department. So they often wear two and three hats they would bring a sexy idea to a table where they might be there wearing a different hat. They became recognized as, I suppose, a single point of contact about technologies in education. And because the people who were involved were so sound, their views became respected. And it, over time, felt that they were the people who were in touch, as it were. So from an early stage when, you know, like my case, the early 80s or late 80s, when every school got an Apple IIe in the country from them, which was one computer, there was, there was always that their advice was valuable and valued, And the opportunity to give it came because people were at different tables, like Elizabeth, for example, um, would be on various committees, various discussion groups, various things all over a period of time. The other thing, too, is, as you mentioned earlier, SESI has the list. Now, the list as such only developed when the technology allowed something like that to become available, Um, but that has over 2000 people. So if I'm looking for a go to point where I might be able to contact people who are in that space, then SESI becomes the go-to. And we've always engaged the people before me. I mean, I did my stint, but like there's a lot of years, there's 40 years behind me. People engaged, there's always that willingness, that openness. Again, as I said, this lack of bureaucratic structure within ourselves meant that we could be, you know, give an honest opinion without saying, oh, who's going to be offended if I say this, this and this? And there's a great freedom that isn't within other organisations who possibly wish they had it, you know, state-run things, but we can say our puff, we think, mm. <laughs> you know, other people have other restraints and constraints on them. Um, and I think when, when you see the work that was done, on the Leaving Cert Computer Science and all the people who are involved in that, including SESI and subsequent to it, that SESI was invited to work in partnership with PDST to support the rollout of the Leaving Cert Computer Science. You only get asked to do those things if your information, your knowledge and your people are valued. And that only comes over time. So I would say, going back to the phrase standing on the shoulders of giants, that the caliber of people who have been involved in SESI from the get go has been phenomenal. And that's across the board. People who have been on the executive, people who are never on the executive, but who are involved. And if you take IT 2000 as an example, when we had the ICT coordinators in the various education centers, Well, we had some of them on the executive because we never put up barriers to membership of SESI or membership of the executive. All you needed was a passion about technology and education and its possibilities. And because of that, you you had, again, as I mentioned before, these diverse people, but who sat at all sorts of tables Mm -hmm. and could mention SESI you might know of this organization and they're very focused on and you know and a lot of the time conversations happen about education with very few of the classroom teachers at them I by the nature of the fact that it's nine to five and you're doing your work so you can't be everywhere you know I don't know if that answers your question but
0: it does it, no it, it definitely does um, for an organization, and I I have to be outside looking in and inside looking out because when you're inside you think oh this is, we're doing this and we're doing that and we're affecting change here and we're affecting change there and then you sit down somewhere and you go to to another teacher have you heard of uh, <laughs> <that's the> Computers <laughs> and education society of Ireland and they go who who yeah what <laughs> who or 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 and the the same. Uh, Bunch or the same group of people, you might say, Sure, would you not learn about that in an education center? Would you not approach an education center? Oh, do they do that? Can we do that? And you're kind of going, we're, we're, There's something amiss in the communication there between what well, there's just something amiss. I feel, but well, I can't put my finger
1: on it. Okay, well, I my only answer to on that because obviously you go places people don't know, Sessie, they don't know what it's all about. Um, and all the rest, but NCTE suffered from the same thing, okay. and it was a national organisation with a massive budget. And you would have thought, and I found it absolutely amazing. You would go into schools, and you talk about the NCTE, and they'd be saying who, and we constantly got confused with the NCT, oh. and that is no <laughs> joke. And the phone numbers are only out by one digit. Oh
0: no! So
1: yeah. So I'd never sweated that really because I felt, yeah, okay. So you think more people should know about us? Yeah, accept that. Um, But it's about affecting change in schools and in thinking. So if somebody from your school happens to be involved, the chances are they're going to learn something that they'd share with colleague. A, even a single colleague mm. so that's dissemination so as long as the cohort of people i mean there's the lifers like myself <laughs> and a good number of others including yourself as well yeah. and then there's the people who pass through for a period of time and go on and it doesn't mean that fantastic work isn't being done by people who are never heard of Sesi in their life but well, what CESI does is it acts or tries to act as a central point through which information can be passed on. I mean, I'd see the list very much as somewhere where information is passed on or topics are raised or a question is asked. Maybe somebody asks a question, a simple question, and they never visit the list again. But for that moment in time, that list was paramount. The 24 hour nature of it. I think is brilliant, um, like as a well, lot of teachers are parents, they're coming home to family, they're coming home yeah. to everything. I know I never sat down until 10 o'clock at night to do my school stuff, so the fact that the list was there and it operated 24-7 for me was just brilliant. Once the internet became solid, once, yeah. and I know it's not, it's still parts of the country, it isn't as it should be, but once it beca- became a lot more reliable, the list became more effective in that sense because you knew you get an answer fairly quickly. I mean, the reply rates are very, very good on it and they stand up very well. Um, and we're not the only pebble on the beach, but the fact that we have a national focus and we have the, across all educational sectors um, is a strength, is a big strength. And I've always... like. I would have moved the conference out of Dublin,
0: okay,
1: um, and started that three-year cycle of different locations because you know it's okay. A lot of us are in Dublin, but then Dublin has a population over over million, so you got like you know there's there's things that happen. But and I mean, you are interviewing me now from AO, mm. I mean, I think that facility is amazing, but I do think, um that the local is important and the meeting people is important and that's going to bring me on to something that I actually did want to mention which was do you remember the project we had with the community of practice and the facilitator's guide okay well unfortunately COVID did us no favors in that because we were just about to launch nationally with that facilitator's guide so for those who wouldn't be aware of it we applied for funding to google to build a model of communities of practice and uh, Dr. Richard Millwood spent two years traveling around the country um, and held three sessions in 14 education centers throughout the country, showing how and learning what people would want. Now, we then created a guide. The guide is available free to download from the SESI website. can be used for any subject. We did it with technology in mind, but where does that come from? What does that, why would we want this community of practice? The, the idea behind it was very much that yes, technology is great. Virtual is wonderful, but you can't beat meeting somebody face to face. Mm, But in this era when all volunteerism is dying on its feet, and people are not prepared to take on additional, um, what should I say, commitments. Mm -hmm. The idea of having a branch structure and a chair and a secretary, that's passe, that's gone. So this was going to be and would still be an informal getting together of a few people who might want to share practice within an education centre, because the education centre network exists. There's 21 Mm -hmm. of them around the country full time and that it actually exists and is funded and its structures can be used. So I, I felt at the time that it was a good opportunity for a marrying at some level of the education centres and communities of practice that would have a SETI label on it. Um, and we were getting there and we were in discussion with the um, I can't remember what's their title now, the, the, the Techie, I think they're called now, the Association of Teaching Education Centres of Ireland Um, and they were they were looking favorably on it and it wasn't going to be every education center but like that we knew that there were people in different parts of the country who might call a meeting and say look let's see if we can start something here and very informal but dispersed because there's great stuff going on locally and sometimes you just don't know about it so that was one of the things which unfortunately COVID kinda of killed for us on the ground. It's it's more so it's 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 a format which doesn't work so easily across the yeah. web. Um and it it so shall we say I think the, the whole idea is sound. I think we we trialed it, we did all that work on it. Um, but I would go back to the whole idea that um the internet facilitates the overcoming of geographical distance is fantastic. I mean, just look at our conference during COVID, we had our conference, we had an online conference as we, two of them and we had attendances and people could then blend it with their lifestyle, Mm. Mm. you know? And I think there's, it's a combination though. I think, you have to be prepared to try new things and see if they you work. I acknowledge if they don't.
0: I, I look, I, I thought that I thought the conferences worked well online. Um, I was doing ironing and in a chat room with 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 somebody. I, I met people through the online conference that I wouldn't have been able, I wouldn't have met otherwise. <laughs> um, that I haven't met before, and I haven't met since. Yeah. Um, but yet there I was doing an ironing or the child paint on the wall or doing whatever do you know and the online enabled
1: yes yeah
0: but all of that skill set is going to be gone like it's it's we're pushing that aside whereas we should be embracing that more and i'm not saying that as a conference we should be more online i think as a user it's not the conference thing because ceci will do whatever it takes to to be inclusive but the user now, our brain said is, there's no more COVID, sure, I'll travel to it. And if I can't travel to it, then I won't attend. Do you think? Yes. Yeah, very much so. Um, whereas there was a third option with COVID because if I can't travel to it, COVID said I can't travel to it, but I still want to attend. So we just clicked the button and attended. Whereas now the click the button and attended, that's, it's not there. I'm not going to bother going. Because I can't because life is in the way or there's a child paint on the wall or whatever. Um I, I think it's we're in a, we're not we're not embracing uh, this is as a user, of course. Um so look at I, I could talk to you again. I, I love the guests and the staff room. I could talk to you forever and ever and ever. I have so many questions, but there's one the the important one. So what has been the biggest missed opportunity in technology and education in Ireland over the past couple of years? now, not the biggest missed opportunity by SESI, but the biggest missed opportunity in technology and education in Ireland over the past few years, and I've left that in because it requires thought. Um, but what what do you think? What do you think we could have done? Should have
1: done, we didn't. Could have, would have, should have. As yeah. I say, hindsight is 2020 20 vision. Um, I'm not sure that I know what the answer to that question is, being honest, because I've, I've seen it and I've looked at it and I've thought about it. Um, I think in the area of technologies advancing in schools. And everybody always goes back to the funding issue. And I would say just that we're subject to the vagaries of funding. But funding isn't the be all and end all if you have imagination. And I'm going back to the idea that for, well, certainly until technology had become so ubiquitous, if a school didn't have a champion, they basically didn't get technology.
0: I'll, I'll, I'm going to raise that a little bit more. If a school doesn't have supports, not just a champion. So if they don't have a champion and they don't have supports, then nothing happens.
1: It's interesting. When I went back to school, before I left to go to NCTE for my secondment, I carried around a toolkit mm-hmm. and it had all the little bits to keep me, to do the minimum that I knew how to do it, to keep the machines running. And when I came back, I said to my principal, I'm not doing this anymore. This isn't the aspect of the technology that I want to be involved in. And I would say at this point that I did ICT coordinator for 20 years as a free post, free nothing. And, and that's the nature of, well, it's nature of myself, but the nature of most people who are invested in. And we got somebody in to do tech support. Now, that was big for me. And tech support continues to be an issue. And I think Michael referred to it, that it's, it's an issue across Europe because what tech support represents is an ongoing expenditure. It's easy to capital expenditure, right? We'll give you so many million. It looks good on the accounts. We can boast about it everywhere, but people go in and they're offered support when they buy their washing machine. And all this money has been spent and no support. So missed opportunity. I don't know that it's that the opportunity has ever been there. To actually provide viable tech support. As in my experience, it was down to the individual school to see if they could do it, and thankfully, my school saw the benefit. I got on very well with the tech guy. He'd show me stuff, so he knew that if he got called out to the school, it would have to be something serious. It wasn't. He wasn't going to come out and sue the on-off switch would do yeah, it. Yeah, you know, yeah, of yeah. Um, so missed opportunities. It is. It is a
0: tough one. Um, it is, and
1: I saw it there, and I saw the question, and I was saying, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah." Um, you see, when we say missed opportunities, it can be across the board, or it can be at an individual basis. Yeah,
0: and you know what? We can move on from that because. The, missed opportunities is is tough, and it's it's tough for many reasons. Because my way of looking at missed opportunities is looking back. So you didn't realize the opportunity was missed till you looked back. So if you didn't look back, then yeah, but what what opportunity? We're doing the best with what we have. With regards to support in schools, and this bugs me no end uh, for many reasons, but I hear it every day. Like, fair play to the IT coordinators, um, but you shouldn't have to have a toolbox if you're a teacher.
1: No. And the other thing too is it shouldn't be part of your brief. No. Um, I mean, as I said, I used to stay back after school and in, in the very very early days, I had one brother-in-law who was a hardware guy. I had another brother-in-law who was a software guy, and I'd bring the computers home under my arm to them from school to get yeah, them to have a look at it. You know, um, but, but it's 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 very irritating. I remember being on a remember that excited, that thing oh yeah, Korea, yeah yeah, and I remember being on a panel one time at that, and um. I mentioned this whole thing about support, tech support. And the person, another person on the panel kind of looked at me strangely. And I said, well, when you're doing your work during the day and your computer goes down, what do you do? Oh, I phone tech support and they come. Okay, well, we don't have that. We don't have anything like it. So I had a list of faults, a list up in the staff room. People would write up whatever problems that they had had. And then at the end of the day, I'd go and look at them. You know, but that was additional to my job at no pay. Yeah. So okay, if lunatics like me, I never I never minded doing it, loved doing it, always loved it. But you can't run a system like that. You can't be saying that oh, every child in the country has access to computers and technology and education if it's not supported.
0: Yeah, and, and again, the bugbear, I've mentioned this a few times, but I, I was there, I walked into my school, one of my schools back when I had a load of them. I reversed into the school and there was the tech support van in the corner and I went, who, 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 what now, where is he going? Um, and I went in and I asked the principal, I said, oh, are you getting a different tech support person? And they were saying, no, 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 wait till here now. There is being a questionnaire um, being asked of students by the department, I think it was at the time, or somebody. And they sent down laptops, and they sent down two IT support guys to open up the laptops to get the students to answer the question, to close the laptops, and to ship them back again. What? And I went, All right. So... I have, that that annoys me. And the principal is standing there going, could we get any of them to look at the computers we have? Or maybe we should have used the facilities we have. And the reason they didn't is because the survey had to be done and it had to be done right. So do you know what? We'll send these two lads down to make sure it's done right. That is, for whatever reason, right or wrong, it had to be done and it had to be done right. Now, Teachers, and I mentioned this, have this unique ability that time doesn't stop. And I, I always I always think that it's hilarious in around August and September. So schools open, doors open, roles, students come in. If the technology doesn't work, it's just pushed aside and the lesson continues. The technology was, is never an obstacle. to it, it, And because they do that, why should we don't need to provide tech support? I, 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 I it's a, it's a bugbear,
1: Adrian. It's it's a bugbear I
0: have. I'd probably remove half of that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's quick. That's completely. So that's an ongoing one. The the whole idea of tech support has always gone, and I don't know that there was ever an opportunity missed where it could have been resolved. I think it's yeah. until somebody grasps that nettle, um, and then. You Know it, it, issues like how the school structures, how schools are funded, all comes into that. So but then you have, and in then again, the schools now what they I think will be the one that will be a model going forward. I don't know if it's sufficient, I don't know if it works well, but it is a model.
0: <laughs> look, at, look, at I'm a tech support guy in schools and some might argue with me, that doesn't work well either. <laughs> so let's, yeah. let's move but, on.
1: But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so in terms of, of other things, um, like, I think we've all, as, as a society, found ourselves with, and we've said it loads of times, technology racing ahead so fast that nobody ever stopped. You know, we were all playing catch up all the time. And that was us as a small cohort of people back in the last century. And then come the turn of the century, it began quicker and quicker. That was everybody in society and everybody rushing ahead. And it's kind of where we're there before we've asked ourselves that pertinent question again, why, what or what do we do with it? And um, so in, in one sense, I wouldn't be too harsh on people. But I do think that go back to the point I made earlier. Technology in the classroom and in education and learning is not the same as the technology that you use every day. The the modus, the fact you can use it is grand, but the thinking behind how you use it is quite different in education. And it goes back to, well, why would I use it or what do I want to use it for? Or I mean, I always think it's wonderful to think that you could Have a poet in your classroom reading one of their poems, that sort of thing, and then have an interview with the students afterwards. And the facilities are enormous. But we're back then to the creativity. We're back then to what a teacher does with the curriculum in two different classrooms, same curriculum, two different teachers and how it's done. And we all have pluses and minuses on that. There's also there was also continues to be a lot of fear about technology in the classroom with teachers Mm -hmm. that somebody is recording them or that they're going to go off onto some illicit website while they're in front of you. I mean, my own experience was and it arose um, and I suppose it was only because of Ceci that it ever happened. Somebody heard me speak at something and came up and offered me an amount of money to go and actually do what I thought I'd like to do and mm. I ended up buying um was it nine chromebooks and my beautiful technician my wonderful technician built his own trolley so that we would have one plug in to power it and I went up to ikea and bought and adapted to their filing cabinet thing so we could mm. and wheeled it in the classrooms that i needed it in and I, it was very it was a learning thing for me because I hadn't used it like this before. We didn't have mobile devices until I had got these. And once the students were on task, by and large, there was no playing around. So it was back mm. to the teacher organising the activity within the room. And if I asked them to close them, the big advantage, of course, of the iPhone, of the Chromebook was you could close them. You could yeah. see very quickly whether they were closed or not. Um And it was great because suddenly you didn't have to go to another room. You had it within, Mm -hmm. and and they adapted to it really quickly because God knows they're surrounded by tech from the day they're born at this stage. So it's, I think we've we've gone through a very, very rapid change societally around technology. And sometimes we could be too hard on ourselves. But I do think that there is at times an assumption that teachers by some f- fabulous osmosis just absorb how the technology should be used and they're experts overnight. And they're not. They're to learn the same as everybody else. Mm. Yeah. And w- w- finally,
0: what, what what, do you think is the biggest challenge for the next couple of years? What? Put on your future. Put
1: on futuristic. Yeah. No. Challenge for who and where. I don't know. Education in
0: Ireland. For education in Ireland.
1: Oh, for education in Ireland. Well, I think we're going to see a lot of changes in the, um, in how schools are run, which Mm -hmm. will then in turn affect how they're structured. Um, and really, I think people will adapt. Um, I think the role of in that. Is to keep pushing that envelope, to keep being out there Mm. and exploring the new lands, and coming back and saying, "Well, this works, and this doesn't work, or why not try this?" And I suppose what I'm very, very aware of is that having retired in 2016, I feel like I'm a century away from what's happening in the classroom. Mm. Um, You get you get obsolete very quick. Really fast.
0: Technology. I wouldn't say you <laughs> move very fast. I think technology moves
1: very fast. Technology moves very fast, and then COVID did a kick into a, into a different way. So I'm now my experiences are all pre-COVID and pre that. So in that sense, I'm I would be out of touch. I have to be honest with what the is going on as a teacher. I would, at school
0: uh... but I think the virtual the virtual um the virtual space is key. Um how it is key I don't know, but I think it is key and like with Kate um Kate Malloy, we we spoke about inclusivity and providing this to everybody and provide learning to everybody and I mentioned if my daughter is in an all-girls school and she wants to do woodwork. Now, again, this is I'm looking into the future that but using now circumstance. So she goes to the all-girls school and she wants to do woodwork, but they don't have the facility to do woodwork. That shouldn't be an obstacle because she should be able to either do it online but be able to go to the boys' school to use the facilities there. Do you know, like, we're not using the technology the way we could, the virtual space. Um, and I, I, I don't even think that should be a question. And I think that's going to be a challenge. Well, Whether think... my daughter wants to do woodwork or not shouldn't be a challenge. And I think that's...
1: Well, I'll bring it a lot closer to home. Um, Leaving certain Computer Science students who want to do it and can't do it because it's not in their school.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But I would combine that and I mean there, there, there's things about it being supervised and all the rest and I can see the thinking behind it. But I go back to that one word that I used before that is characteristic of SESI, imagination imagination is where it's at you have to be imaginative in the circumstance that you just described to me what makes the difference for your daughter in the future it's somebody with the imagination to see beyond the confines of the current and how what's around can assist her reach her goal
0: um yeah i think that's going to be the there's our challenge right there um
1: but i think it's keep talking to keep exchanging to keep that very um generous attitude among all the folk in Sesi uh of ideas of and not be afraid to shake things up yeah not be afraid to ask the awkward question not be afraid to kind of throw the spanner in the works but you're not really you're doing it with the view to can we do it differently can we look at it differently and I think the nice thing about SESI is it accommodates everybody from those who are very much into the hardware and how the actual computer works to those who wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot bar but yeah. prefer the software, the opportunities that are offered by it. And the other thing that I would always think is that sometimes it's the smallest piece of kit, which offers the most. Um, possibilities. And I think digital camera in the the 1990s just exploded things for particularly primary school teachers, being able to photograph students' work, use it, put it up, uh, show it to those outside of the classroom, not just the bit of paper that they brought home. Uh, Whereas the interactive whiteboard, which was expected to do wonders, did in good hands. But again, the missing link there, I always felt, was the opportunity for teachers to sufficiently upskill to be able to use it productively. Um, and certainly, I mean, I would have looked at that because we had, well, I got three in our school, but it required commitment by teachers to use it and it didn't happen. I always thought that like, when we, and we know that um, from time to time on the list, getting rid of smart boards or whatever it is, yeah. interactive boards um and they were an expensive bit of kit they were
0: they were you know uh adrian thank you very much for joining us on the sassy staff room uh, like i said we, we, we okay, i could be talking to you for <laughs> the next two hours um until we talk again take care of
1: yourself thank you very much it's been a pleasure as well thank you